0: Good morning, Hope Church. Let's start with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for today. We ask that you would speak to us through your word. We ask that you would inspire us and that you would help us. And Lord, we ask that you would bless us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as I was preparing for this next series of messages, I was really led to the book of Revelation and specifically to chapters 2 and 3. We're only going to do a short introduction this morning, and we're going to set the scene of those chapters. I would encourage you to read David Pawson's excellent book on the book of Revelation. It has been a great help to me. Those familiar with this section of Revelation will know it's about seven churches. Uh, This is extremely important to us today. Why? Because the church is Christ's body and he only operates through his church. The early church in the book of Acts understood this. So you have scenes like Agabus prophesying in the church about a coming famine, and the whole church springs into action. It was while the church was together praying and fasting that during worship, God appointed Saul and Barnabas for missionary work. What am I saying here? Often individuals choose what ministry or service they render, but it's really clear that God appoints through the church by the Holy Spirit. And this happened very often in the New Testament church in the context of the church gathering together. I wonder how many more people would be released in service if we had this ear to listening to the spirit, uh, if we worshipped, if we fasted, if we operated in spiritual gifts and then we heard God in the context of our local church. Remember that when we become Christians we become part of Jesus's body which is the church. We are not solo Old Testament prophets. That era has passed. You know, I see a church that is driven by the Spirit of God, where the Spirit appoints, where the Spirit anoints, a church that isn't directed by human beings or the will of men, but by the Holy Spirit. And I see a church where church gatherings are not just about self-edification or church edification, even though that's really important, but I see it as a place where the Holy Spirit directs the affairs of the church. The church has been strongest where the Holy Spirit has been directing what it has been doing. Now, for this to be possible, we need to be the right kind of church. We must be a New Testament kind of church. We need to be a church that is open and led by the Holy Spirit. And this kind of church is not driven by a few people, No, it is where every member of the church is moved by the Holy Spirit to use the gifts that God has given to it. Now, this is an exciting type of church, a church that is full of surprises because the Holy Spirit might say just about anything. Wouldn't it be great to be part of that kind of church? Now, I hope you realise that I'm leading up to a point here. And the point is this, how do we become a church that is more like that? A church that is open to the spirit, where God is speaking through every member, where God is using every gift that he has given in the church. How do we become that kind of a church? Now, admittedly, the lockdown of the past 12 months is a massive hindrance to those kind of gatherings. But the lockdown has been positive. It's allowed us to re-evaluate where we are at. I'm pretty sure you sitting there at home watching this will have had some time in the last 12 months to re-evaluate where are you going in God? What kind of church you're a part of? What is it doing? Is it succeeding? What is it uh, working at? All these kind of questions. Lockdown has allowed us to think about these questions. It's allowed us to think about, whether we like it or not, that God has been speaking to us through this lockdown. Why is it that God has allowed the church globally to be put out of their buildings? We need to ask those questions. And I want to venture so far as to say that perhaps things need to change. Perhaps God has moved us out of our buildings and given us a year of no physical meetings so that when we come back together, we really focus in on what he wants us to do. We've we've had an opportunity to think about the fruitfulness of our churches. You know, the churches in the West, with freedom, with so much more provision, is less fruitful than the church in China. Did you know that the church in China is heading towards a hundred million believers? The church in, in India is also exploding and growing at a rapid rate. Why is that? We need to ask ourselves these questions. And for us specifically as Hope Church, we need to ask, what is God saying to us? And so I think the question this morning is, what is God saying to Hope Church? Have you ever wondered what it would be like if Jesus visited your church, if he visited us at Hope Church, and he spoke to us, he uh, looked at what we were doing, and he gave comment? Now we know that God speaks to individuals and to families Uh, we can read books and testimonies there is a lot on the internet about God speaking to individuals but this morning I'm concerned about God speaking to his church. I wonder what his word be to his collective group of people in a specific place. The church is the hands and feet of Jesus in this world. If Jesus visited us and came to our church and spoke to us, what do you think he would say? Well, this is exactly why we're looking at Revelation 2 and 3. Because those chapters are God speaking to his church. In fact, it is a record in the Bible of God speaking individually to seven individual churches. And this is really important. Some people in the past have said that the seven churches in Revelation 2 and 3 are representative. That means that all churches in some way are a variation of these churches. And if we were to look at these churches, maybe we can discern where we are at and more importantly, what would Jesus say to us? Now, Revelation chapter 1 sets the scene. And I want to make some highlights here as we go through this chapter. I'm not going to read it. If you wanna read it, you're welcome to pause this video and read through chapter one, two, and three to kind of set the scene. But I'm focusing on chapter one mainly this morning. Verse four tells us that these seven churches were in Asia. What's important is that it was Asia in around 100 AD, when the letter was written. It was written just before then. But today that place is modern day Turkey and you can see that in a map that I'm just putting up now and you can see that in the corner is just a a small image of modern day Turkey and that little red square box is the larger map and it shows you where Patmos is on the bottom left and how there is this journey around to those seven churches um, that are listed in Revelation 2 and 3. All those churches were in modern-day Turkey. The man writing the letters is called John. Now, he is the same John who is the Apostle John, and of whom it is recorded that he was much loved by the Lord Jesus. At this time of writing, he is now an old man. Because of his faith, he is now a prisoner in chains. He has been sent to an island called Patmos, and it is some 150 miles from where these seven churches are located. It is a prison colony, and those who are sent there are those that society deemed would pollute the rest of society. In this place of imprisonment and suffering, John has a vision from God. Isn't it tremendous that even in the midst of suffering and imprisonment, Our spirits cannot be restricted, and God's access to us is not restricted. So, John sees Jesus in his vision. The Jesus that John now sees is different from the Jesus that he knew, who walked on the earth with him. I want us to pause for a moment. Over the span of our lives, we change considerably. This is most notably seen in the lives of actors. You can see a film of a young Sean Connery, and you can see a film of an old Sean Connery. Uh, You can compare how he looked as a young man and how he looked as an old man. For many people, they have a, a picture of Jesus, maybe as a baby, meek and mild. For others, Jesus is the carpenter. For others, Jesus is the man who walks around in sandals and a long robe in the clothes of the first century. However, we really want a picture of Jesus as he is today, as he is now. And for that to be most accurate, we would need to look at what is written in Revelation. Perhaps you've had an instance on Facebook or social media where you've seen a photo of someone only to realise that that photo of them is 20 years old. It is not representative of them today. And so this These chapters in Revelation, in fact, the whole book of Revelation gives us a view of what Jesus is like now. Not how, when he was, when he walked on the earth, but how he is now in his majesty and in his power. Now, the picture of Jesus here will come as a huge shock to many people. Why? Because when we glimpse Jesus in Revelation, we see him as a conquering king. Jesus came the first time onto the earth as saviour, but now he is the majesty on high. He is the king, the creator God, and all of his authority and glory is with him. And this is really well seen in the book of Revelation. He is the almighty, the powerful warrior who deals justly with all evil. Very far from this image of a baby in swaddling cloths. Now, this Jesus, you remember, is the same Jesus that John leaned back on when Jesus was on earth. John was familiar with Jesus. However, when John now sees Jesus as he is, it says he fell down at his feet like a dead man. Think about it for a moment. The apostle John, loved disciple of Jesus, he sees Jesus as he is today and he falls at his feet in fear. This is a Jesus that people do not want us to talk about. People want a a lovely, cuddly, soft Jesus. A Jesus who won't berate them. A Jesus who will approve of everything that they want to do and give them everything that they want. Let me tell you, that kind of Jesus does not exist. He's never existed. The Jesus mentioned here in Revelation 1 is dressed in his kingly robes. He is in his majesty. His hair is white, which represents his wisdom and his timelessness. His eyes are like a fire, for they penetrate the very centre of your being. One of the things that is often seen about Jesus is that when he walked on the earth and he looked at people, people were afraid of his gaze because it was penetrating. Jesus can see everything in your life. Nothing is hidden from him. He can see if you're lying. He can see what is in your heart. And then it says here that his tongue is a sword. His words come with power. They come with command and authority. His words have power to destroy and overthrow. This is not a Jesus that can be taken lightly. This is not a Jesus who will do your bidding. This is Jesus how he has always been the King and Lord of glory, the supreme ruler of the universe. So let us take heed of who he is and put these false views of Jesus behind us. Now, there are also two symbols that I want to highlight this morning. They are important in this section. The first symbol is the lampstand. It says that there are seven lampstands in verse 12 and we are told that these lampstands are the seven churches that John is about to write to to. David Pawson in his excellent book on Revelation makes the point a lampstand cannot give any light itself it is only there to hold the light a church cannot give any light it is only there to hold Christ up so that he may shine And so a church is likened to here in the symbol of a lampstand. And the church's purpose is not to give its own light, but to give the light of Jesus, who is the owner. And so the lampstands represent the churches. The next symbol that I want to mention are the seven stars that Jesus holds in his hands. We are told that those seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. Isn't it encouraging that every church has an angel that is in oversight over the church? Now, in coming to a conclusion this morning, we need to reflect on a number of things. The most challenging thing about this whole section that we've looked through is that although John is writing these letters to the churches, it is actually Jesus who is speaking to the angel of the church. And as we shall see Jesus commends but Jesus also rebukes. Jesus is very clear in what he expects to change in these seven churches and it is different for each church. And then there is a warning, should the church not heed what Jesus says, Jesus will come and remove that church. Perhaps even that is part of the angel's role. This should be most sobering to us as we introduce these chapters. The church does not exist for itself, and it is not free to do any old thing or any old project. David Pawson's last paragraph on the chapter says, a lampstand that loses its light is removed from its place. It is of no use. So Jesus is going to give John messages for those seven lampstands. So, as we unpack, over the coming weeks, what Jesus is saying to the churches, we do it from a sober position. We are here to shine Jesus' light. We recognise that Jesus is the King. He carries all authority and all power. And we recognise that his purposes need to be fulfilled. We also need to understand that Jesus does have something to say to his churches. And we get back to my earlier point. What would Jesus say to Hope Church if he walked through our church and observed what we are doing? Jesus wants to speak not just to the global church but to the individual church. He has something specific to say to each church that exists on the planet. And the encouraging thing is that Jesus doesn't speak in generalities but he hones in on precisely what is needed in a specific church. We also recognise that the purpose of the church is not to shine its own light. This is really important. It's all too easy for a church to become absorbed with what it is doing and lose the light of Jesus. Finally this morning I want to ask a couple of questions. What view do you have of Jesus? Is he still uh, Jesus meek and mild? Is he a baby in swaddling cloths? Is he a first century man dressed in sandals uh, and long clothes that seem no relevant to today? Or is he the coming king? Is he the conquering king? You know there are so many different Jesuses out there but there is only one true Jesus. And we need to read through the book of Revelation to begin to see Jesus as he is today. So I want to encourage you, let's worship Jesus, let's follow him, let's shine his light and let's ask him to speak to us as a church and to direct us in the right path so that we can be fruitful and receive the reward that he has for us. Let's pray. Lord, I want to thank you that you care about every church. I want to thank you that there is an angel appointed over Hope Church. And Lord, there is a word that you speak to us as Hope Church. And I pray that you would help us to discern it, that we would know what we are to do in these days. Lord, help us to be fruitful. Lord, help us to be those who are obedient. And Lord, help us to be a blessing to you and to our community in Jesus' mighty name. God bless you. Have a really great day.